0: Welcome to the Jewish Roots Life Group. I am Steve Wright, your host. And enjoy this journey with me in increasing your Christianity, your faith, by looking at it through a totally different lens, a Jewish lens. And we'll be taking this journey together and discovering our roots of our faith. All right, shalom, y'all. This is welcome to... The end of the journey, but the beginning of the journey (laughs) to the Jewish Roots Life Group. And here we've come to the Ark of the Covenant tonight. And like I said, it's the end, but it's actually the beginning. The end of the journey, because if you notice, we went from the outer to the inner, now to the Holy of Holies. And guess what's waiting for us there? The presence of God. So this is where we're all headed towards. And remember at the beginning, the very first one, I said one of the goals for this class was to get us to the presence of God. The whole goal of the Ark of the Covenant and the whole goal of the Tabernacle was to get the High Priest to the presence of God to make atonement for the nations. So you're with me so far, right? And we'll go over what's here in a little bit. Alright, the High Priest obligation. <clears throat> In the Torah we see that only the High Priest, the Kohen HaGodal, uh, has access once a year on Yom Kippur, or the Day Atonement, to the very presence of God. The Kodesh HaKodeshim, the Holy of Holies, which was the heart of the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, and the Bet HaMikarash, which was the Temple. Now, all that to say The high priest was only allowed once a year into the Holy of Holies to put the blood on the mercy seat. All right. And that was Yom Kippur Day of Company. So the presence of God was only felt or was only experienced once a year by the high priest. To enter in, he would have to go through the peruket, which is the veil. We're going to go through that that separated the holy places from the rest of the temple. The word peroket is derived from the root word perek, which means to break apart or fracture. The root word for the veil means to break apart or fracture. What happened when Jesus died? Okay. tore apart. The veil tore apart. Ripped up. And that's in the word veil. <laughs> And we're going to go over that in just a minute. But I just want you to see the root word of the veil means to tear apart. And guess what happened when Jesus died? So tell me it doesn't point to Jesus. <laughs> so there you go. Just in the word itself for the, for the veil. So that's where we're headed. The veil. So before we get to the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God, we have to go through the veil. Right? And we talked about the veil before and the colors. But this is what I wanted to point out first. In Genesis 3.24, um, let me give you background, Adam and Eve just got kicked out of the garden for sinning, right? After sending them out, that means after being kicked out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the garden, and he placed a flaming sword and flashed it back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Exodus 25.18 says, Then he made two cherubim hammered of gold and placed them on the tomb. We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to point this out here in Genesis 3.24. Man sins, gets kicked out of the garden, he places two cherubim east of the garden, and they have a flaming sword to keep anyone away from the tree of life. Think about that. If Adam and Eve had access to, to the tree of life after sinning what would that look like? They would have lived forever a sinful creature, right? So he put the angels there, the cherubim to protect, to guard, to keep away from the tree of life. Isn't that interesting? The cherubim was to separate or to keep away from the presence of God. Because in the garden, Adam walked with God daily, in the cool of the day, the presence of God. So now, this big flaming sword that these cherubim is keeping, separating, from the presence of God. So, as a veil, they put two cherubim, right? And they put two cherubim on the embroidered part of the veil, signifying that those cherubim are keeping... The presence of god at base, so you don't go to the tree of life and who is the tree of life for us jesus so how does it all point to jesus you see what i'm saying our tree of life three colors remember we did this before three colors of the veil the blue the scarlet and the purple and what it all means is the celestial son of god blue came down from heaven to shed his blood red or scarlet to make atonement and establish his kingdom, or his royalty, purple. So that's, the sign, uh, what, that's what signifies the three colors. So now, that's the veil. There is a person called Flavius Josephus. Josephus was a, and, and I'm just going to sum this up for you so you don't have to read it all. Josephus was a Jew, his dad was a priest, and he was in the same time frame as Jesus. He was in the first century. And he wrote, he was a historian, so he wrote down everything that happened in the first century, even a lot of the things of the church. And he wrote a lot of things about Herod, and John the Baptist, and Jesus, and Pontius Pilate. He was a Jew, but he went toward the Romans. So he knew which side his bread was buttered on, I guess, because he saw that Rome was fixing to take over, you know, in 70 AD they wiped out all the Jews. And he said, ooh, I think I'm going to side with the Romans. (laughs) And he said, I'm going to be your historian. And they said, sure. And so he wrote everything down. And so a lot of these things are are factual because he was a historian. He wrote them down. But a lot of these things you can see that are not written in the Bible actually upholds Bible stories. All right, so here's a Bible story. Here's what Josephus wrote. And they match because he was actually there at the time and there he wrote all about the siege of Masada and it's in his book Antiquities of the Jews he wrote about the Jewish war and he also did the Maccabees and so on and so on now here's what he says in his writings the veil of the temple yes it says temple I know we're in the tabernacle yes it says temple, hold on was woven from blue, purple and crimson isn't that what we said? with white thread embroidered with cherubim didn't have what we said. Just like Second Chronicles 3.14 says, the veil in the tabernacle had been similar. So he said, remember his dad was a priest, so he would know, because his dad, the generation to generation, the priest passed down this information. The veil in the tabernacle was similar to this one that was in the temple, when Jesus was the one that tore when he died. Right. So it was very similar. It was a valuable piece of fabric that Antiochus and Titus took when they took over Jerusalem. And that's in his book in the 1st Maccabees and in the Josephus War 7:162. In the 2nd Temple it was some 200 square meters of fabric. 200 square meters of fabric is 218.72 yards of fabric for one bale. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <clears throat> All right. When it was unclean, deemed unclean by the priests, it took 300 of them to clean it. 300 priests to clean one veil. <laughs> it was a Babylonian tapestry. The reason he said Babylon is because that was... That was, you know, the best of the best of the best. You know, growing up, if you wanted the best of the best, it was, what, Chinese silk. You know, everybody loved the Chinese silk. Now it was the Babylonian tapestry that was the best of the best. All right. uh, And it was a curtain embroidered with a panorama of the heavens. So it had two cherubim, had these colors, and a panorama of the heavens. So this was probably a very magnificent thing to see. All right. And it says it covered the view from the Ark of the Covenant and the throne that the high priest went in once a year. So he says we are told that the high priest could only go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. So this is an outside source confirming the Bible. Now, according to Josephus, although the Bible does not give an exact dimension of the veil, which is true, uh, he says it was four inches thick four inches, remember way back the very first one we went through the span and the hand's breadth that's about four inches depending on the person's hand (laughs) it was this thick a veil that thick he said horses tied to each side could not pull it apart and he said the tall heavy veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom at the moment of Jesus' death so he confirms Jesus' death He confirms that the veil was torn in two. And the veil was thick, and the New Testament makes it clear that it tore by itself. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't this. It tore by itself. So here you go. This is important because here's a big old veil. If man was going to tear it, they would have to tear it from the bottom up because there's no way that you'd be 10 cubits high, and have a bunch of guys up there ripping a veil that's four inches thick from the top. It would have to be from the bottom. And they said horses couldn't even rip it. So there's no way humans could have torn the veil, is what he's saying. Are are, are you with me so far on that? Mm -hmm. So we have an outside source confirming the t- and what that means is think about this when Jesus died and the veil was torn what was the purpose of the cherub the cherubim he blocked the way the cherubim kept you from the presence of the tree of life from the presence of God when the veil was torn guess what it was no longer it ripped the separation of the cherub the cherubim was no longer blocking the way to the presence of God we have direct access all right now we get to the ark of the covenant now we're here and before we get to everything about the ark of the covenant first we have to tell you the dimensions and the plans of the ark exodus 25 10 have the people make out of what acacia, acacia wood just like everything else was made of acacia wood except for three things a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches high, and we'll show you, tell you what that is in cubits in just a minute. Overlay it inside and out with pure gold. Why inside? Why would he mention this specifically? The outside we know is overlaid in gold. Why the inside? Why would he take the time to inlay it with gold? Any, any reason? doesn't wind up like the pig being unclean on the inside how which is a good answer but how it, uh, <clears you> what <throat> does gold mean represent Pure. Pure. purity deity righteousness mm-hmm. godliness alright what does acacia wood represent flesh. humanity flesh alright what was in the ark we haven't got to it yet but let's see what you know what was inside the ark the ten commandments so the ten commandments would have been if you if it was not inlaid with gold the ten commandments which are holy commandments would be mixed with acacia wood which represented humanity and you couldn't have something holy mixing with something human humanity unholy you had to keep it holy how would you keep it holy inlay it with gold so it meets deity not humanity so that's why the inside was inlaid with gold so that the things that were placed in it would meet godliness deity rather than humanity does that that make sense? Mm -hmm. so this is very often overlooked and if you're just reading it's like zing woo woo hey but if you stop and look at it now you understand had rings on each side poles and they were never to remove the poles there's a big long teaching on that i will get to later not today and and what that means but i don't have time but keep going had poles on each side so they could carry it Uh, the ark was finished placed inside the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which i will give to you these are instructions given to moses all right Here's the dimensions, and you see a bunch of colors here. And I'm getting to that. The red is the length, and the length is two and a half cubits by four. If you multiply 2.5 by four, you get ten, right? Well, you say why four? Okay, it's the length. The length is each red line here. You have two on the top, two on the bottom, two and two is four. So two and a half cubits by 1, 2, 3, 4 is 10. Everybody with me on that one? Mm -hmm. So that's the length. Next is the width. The width is in green. And here's the width. You have two widths on the top, two widths on the bottom. The width was 1.5 times 4 equals 6. With me so far? And the next is the height. How tall was it? The height is in blue there's four. You have one, two on this side, two on that side, right? 1.5 times four is six, all right? Before I go any further, this is qubits, remember I told you before it was in inches, and for me I'm a visual person. So, Mr. Cameraman here, get ready. (laughs) I brought this with me, and I'm going to do it like this all right for those of you who can see this I made this to the exact made this to the exact specifications that it says here this is how long the Ark of the Covenant was and this is how high the Ark of the Covenant was so it was this big or small whichever point of reference is right and wide is the same as this because this and this are the same the height and the width is the same so take this here and stick it out that far and this is how big the ark of the covenant box is so this was it so imagine people if i'm on the outside of it with the pole this is i'd say two men could carry it no no problem and four men very easily two on each front of the pole two on each back of the pole so if you're carrying it this this is probably what it would have looked like does that give you a better point of reference on what, it, how it may have looked? Okay. But the commandments were on stone, and the stone would have made it very heavy. Yes. Now this is wood, and it's overlaid with gold, and plus you have what's coming next. <laughs> so I just, I made that so you could see. Really for me, because I was curious, but anyway, so you could see. <laughs> Alright, so these are the dimensions. Now, for you math majors, ten plus six, plus six, equals... 22. 22. (laughs) I (laughs) didn't have (laughs) my calculator. 22. Does that mean something? Of course it means something. What does 22 mean? Well, here we go. If you take the two letters of the Hebrew alphabet, The one that equals 20 has a numerical value of 20 is cough, the letter cough. The one that has the numerical value of 2 is bet. So cough and bet. And you say, okay, so what? What does that cough and bet have to do with anything? All right. Cough has a numerical value of 20. Do you remember what 20 represented? Redemption. There were two sets of Ten Commandments. 10 and 10 is? And the law is what led Israel to their redemption. There were two sets of them. It is said through rabbi Jewish traditions that one set was for the Jews, one set was for the Gentiles, and they were all make it together eventually through the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is where we're headed, <laughs> through the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. we've gotten to the mercy seat. <laughs> <laughs> Kof resembling the King Messiah. Kof meaning we will be conformed to his image to resemble him. So the kaf links to other letters of the Hebrew alphabet to resemble the letter that it's attached to. So kaf means that we would be conformed to the redemption, his redemption. Alright? Now going on, that's the kaf. What about the bet? Here's the bet. Numerical value of two. There are two tablets, right? There are two covenants, old and new. There are two kingdoms, Jew and Gentile. All becoming one. Bet, which means the head or chief, or as we learned in Israel, it's more commonly referred to as house. The house of. Like bet el, Bethel, we would say in English, is the house of, and el is Elohim or God, so it would be the house of God. So bet, Watch this. Means <clears throat> Jesus is said to have tabernacled with us. Or his, he's the head, and the chief of everything. And he tabernacled with us. Bet means the house of. And cough means redemption, right? Number 20. So if you put cough and bet together, you get that which houses redemption that which houses redemption what houses redemption the ark of the covenant because what is it housing the tablets the ten commandments and other things which we'll see so just the letters from the dimensions shows what it's housing and what it's doing the number 22 right those were the total of the dimensions there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, coincidence. So it encompasses the whole word of God from the Aleph to the Tav, from the beginning to the end. So the Ark of Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant is showing from the very beginning, God wanted to be with us, to the very end, God wants to be with us. And how man ruined it by the curse of sin and how he's gonna fix it so we will be with him forever. And that's what the tabernacle is showing, and that's through the Ark of the Covenant that the Messiah is going to come. His blood is going to fix it once and for all, and that's all through the Ark here. So, the 22nd letter, the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet is Tab, has a numerical of value of 400 And it has a pictorial meaning of the seal of God. It means completion, signal, symbol, monument. So that means the very ending. If you go back to the end of the book of Revelation, when it says it is finished, it is done, that's the Tav. The Alpha and the Omega, beginning the end. This is the end. But for us as believers, the end is an eternity beginning for us. All right the covenant of the perfect love watch this call cough the two letter in bet cough has a numerical value of 20 right but it is the 11th letter in the hebrew alphabet if right, you just list them 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9, nine. the 11th one down is cough what about bet watch this bet is the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, has a numerical value of two. Wait a minute. Eleven plus two equals what? Thirteen. The perfect number of love. <laughs> 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 Twenty-two. Okay. <laughs> multiplying <laughs> Let me go let me go back before I review this no common core here okay <laughs> Alright, now, for those of you who grew up without common core, 11 plus 2 is 13. Which but I is, multiplied it. Because I wanted to get to 22. <laughs> that was a couple pages back. So, 13 is the number of love and it is also the number of the ichad. Ichad is, hero our of the Lord your God is 1. That's the ichad. 13, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what is that? The chapter of love. love. Love is patient, love is kind, love is so on and so on, right? Isn't it wow that cough and bet the dimensions equal love because greater love has no man in this to lay down his life? What did Jesus do? He did And that was promised. That was the promised covenant. That was God's promise of his covenant that Jesus was going to do that he laid down his life out of perfect love mm-hmm. all right let's keep going the 13th letter in the Hebrew uh, alphabet is Mem all right it has the numerical value of 40 now the, his, the mystery of Mem watch this Mem means can mean a flowing stream or a fountain and the meaning of Mem waters people Nations, languages, tongues. What happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit came on every nation and every tongue and it flowed out like waters on all people, that was the promise, that was the covenant. And it was all represented in the 13-letter mem, and 13 represents the number of love. So it was all prophesied, this is what's going to happen. And it was all from the dimensions of the Ark of the Promise. All right. Here it is in the Old uh, King James. Now we're going to the mercy seat. All right. Pure gold, two cubits and a half, and this is the cubits. All right. And I'll show you the, the measurements in a minute. Uh, obviously, it has to be the same measurements as this to fit, right? If you're going to have a thing go over it has to be the same and it is and make two cherubims of gold and put it on top oh, two cherubims again you have two cherubims on the curtain the veil and you have two cherubims on the mercy seat hmm all right here it is the mercy seat exodus twenty-five, seventeen. make the ark's cover the place of atonement pure gold it must be 45 inches by 20, same as this. Make two cherubims from hammered gold, place them on the, both ends, mold them at the end, and they spread the wings, they look down, and here it is. It says, verse 22, I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. This is to Moses now I'm going to show you something that may or may not be this is uh, something that was told to me we don't know we don't have a picture of it all right so I'm just showing you that may or may not be but it would make sense it's called a mercy seat correct wouldn't it make sense that the angels all right We're two cherub, all right? That the angels, these are our two wings, that one wing was here and one wing was here, we're both looking down like this. Right? Now, what, do you, what, what, what are we forming? If someone were to come right up here and sit down, what are we forming? A seat. A seat. A yeah, bench or something. Right? So if we were to go like this, and someone were to come right here and just sit down and lean back, we're forming a seat. Is it possible that the angel's wings were like this, forming a seat, so that God came down and sat down on top? Just something to think about. A lot of times you see the angel's wings like this, but why not make a seat and call it a mercy seat? It may or may not be just something to think about things and make you go... (laughs) All right. So it it really doesn't say per se, but that would make sense. All right. It was of pure gold, pure deity. Remember, there were only a couple pieces that weren't made of wood. The... This is my homemade version of the Ark. (laughs) The mercy seat, the lid, the top was made of pure gold. This had wood in it, remember? It was wood overlaid and inlaid with gold, right? And yes, it's cardboard, but it's supposed to be pure gold. (laughs) So this part was pure gold. Everything else was wood. There's a reason for that, all right? When the blood was applied to pure deity, Then the grace and mercy applied is pure heavenly atonement. 100% godly covenant sealed by his blood. When Jesus died and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, it was pure deity. There wasn't any humanity on this. It's pure gold. Which means what you receive is pure mercy. Pure divine atonement. Does that, does that make sense? That's why it was pure gold. Only sealed by Jesus. Now the mercy seat is also called the caparet in Hebrew. Alright? The Hebrew word is caparet and it translates arc cover. Watch this. This is gonna blow your mind. Alright? This is just gonna go, whoa. It's also called pitch. Alright? Whenever we sin as children of God, we may turn to Christ, who continues to be the propitiation for our sins, which blessing extends potentially to the whole world. First John two one and four ten. So, He is our propitiation. So, what it means is the capret, the, the the cover, right? The cover is our propitiation. It covers our sins. Right? When the blood is applied, it's pure deity, it's, it's, it's gone. Pitch. Where else have we heard the word pitch in the Bible? There's two places. The ark. The ark. The ark. Noah's ark was covered with pitch, which saved his family. When you are covered, our propitiation, we are saved. This is our salvation. This is our atonement. This is what makes us right with him. So pitch. caparet means pitch. Just like it did, it saved Noah. It saves us. All right. Kafar, same root word, also means to purge or make atonement make reconciliation or make it right again with a different vowel sound. The same letters, kafar is pronounced Kofar, which means the price of a life or ransom. Look at Noah. He was ransomed from the flood. He was saved from the flood. Jesus made our ransom, our payment. Remember when I said the, the credit card example, right? That it covers us, but there has to be a payment eventually, <laughs> and he paid it in full. That's what it's talking about here. The coffer, the ransom, the payment in full. That's what this is saying. This is our payment in full. Romans 3.25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice, atonement through the shedding of his blood to receive, so grace covers a multitude of sins. Now, what was the purpose of the ark? It was a meeting place to be in the presence of God. You had to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for atonement once a year on Yom Kippur. It was a visual reminder of a covenant, a promise, an oath that God made with his people. And it was a vessel that points to the coming of the Messiah. And and I'm going to stop here for just a second. No, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going. All right, because we'll get to that in a minute. So that was the purpose. What was in it? Yes, when you go to different places in the Bible, like when David uh, went to go get the ark from the Philistines, and he brought it back, all it had in it was the tablets. It didn't have the other things, but I'll show you. Here, we, we're going there. All right. Exodus 16, 33 and 34, the <coughs> translation. Moses said to Aaron, get a jar... get a jar (laughs) and fill it with two quarts of manna. No, two quarts is not gonna fit in here, but this is just a visual representation. And Aaron did just as the Lord commanded Moses and eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the Stone stone tablets, which is the Ten Commandments with the terms of the covenant. So this jar of manna had manna inside was placed along with the stone tablets. So it was in the ark. Because Aaron did just as Moses said. Right? Numbers 17.10, amplified version. The Lord said to Moses, put Aaron's rod back before the ark of the testimony to be kept as a warning sign for the rebellious and contentious so that you may put an end to their murmurings so that they do not die. I did have Aaron's rod in here, but I left it at home. <laughs> and I didn't know how to get the buds and everything on it. But So Aaron's rod that budded was also in here. And we'll see what all those mean here in just a minute. Aaron's rod that budded, here's the back story. Israel was complaining. They were contentious. They were rebellious. Well, who made you boss? Well, who made you boss? Well, who made you boss? Somebody said, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on every leader from every tribe give me your stick and the stick back then represented they had the names of their heritage their lineage on the stick from their tribe right so if i was the leader of of the uh, tribe of benjamin right i would have all my lineage from the tribe of benjamin on this stick right so all the leaders of each tribe put their sticks they put it before the tabernacle right put it on the inside and they said the next day they went in to go get them, and only one out of all the twelve tribes had something different and that was Aaron's. He was from the tribe of Levi. His not only budded but bloomed and had almonds. So it budded, bloomed and produced fruit from a dead stick. So that, there you go. So that was proof that Aaron was to be the leader rather than the other eleven. So that's, that's the backstory to that. Look at this. Remember this? Remember this? Remember all the things we associated with it? Now that we're at the Ark of the Covenant, guess what else we can associate with it? The Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and the blood. Here's the box, or here's the box, here's what goes on top of the box, and here's what goes on the mercy seat. You got the box, you got the top, and the blood is sprinkled on it. What else goes with it? Aaron's rod that budded, Ten Commandments, and the jar of manna. What do they form? The promise, the covenant, that through the lineage of David shall come the Messiah. Even in the Ark of the Covenant. All right, the manna, the bread of heaven. Remember when we went through the table of showbread? So I'm going to go quick, this part kind of quickly, because we've already covered a lot of that through the table of showbread. Uh, The jar of manna reminded the people of God's constant provision. Remember when they got to the Jordan, and they looked over the Jordan? The manna stopped, because they were at the promised land. God said, you know what, you don't need this anymore, because there's the promised land. Go get it. It's Flowing with milk and honey. All right, so the bread of heaven that comes down, that's John 6, 32, 35, 48, and 51. This is the story of manna from heaven in Exodus 16. I wanted to point out one thing. Every morning they were to go out and get the manna and collect it, but it was after the dew lifted. And I was like, dew, why did it mention dew? It wasn't mountain dew. (laughs) Layer of dew around the camp. I said, what is dew? It's just water, right? H2O. And it's like H2O, all right? H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the oxygen. Why the oxygen? Because when God created man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Ruach HaKodesh, or the breath, the life. Guess what gives us life in our breath? oxygen. So you got Father, Son, Holy Spirit, H2O, the dew that surrounded the camp in the manna. So the manna sustained him and this is to show you that he's always there. He's always taking care of you. He's what gives you life. Alright, Jesus was the bread of life. We went through this through the table of showbread. I'm the bread of life. And that's in John six thirty-five. Here is the Lord's Supper in Matthew twenty-six twenty-six. He says, Take ye, this is my body. And it's the same thing in Luke twenty two, nineteen. He gave thanks, said this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. So every time we take this bread, every time they collected the manna, they were supposed to remember where it all came from. Every time we take the bread, the communion, we're supposed to remember where it all came from. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bet, remember B-E-T, the house of, right? Lechem is bread. So Jesus was born in the house of bread. He's the bread of life. Aaron's rod that budded. Here we go. (laughs) This is a visual representation here. It not only had leaves and buds, it had flowers and almonds from a dead rod. (laughs) Overnight. <clears throat> overnight <laughs> now it came to pass and on the next day Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron and the house of Levi had sprouted put forth buds and produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds number seventeen, eight. ripe almonds And we'll get to what all all that means. I haven't gone over this. This is the high priest right here. Um, Next life group, we'll go over the high priest and what all this means and stuff like that. You think they ate the almonds? Why not? (laughs) I would. Aaron's rod confirms God's choice of the anointing of Aaron as the priest. Right? Just like Jesus was anointed and approved. And this is the same thing all right this is Hebrews 3 1 4 12 and Aaron's in Numbers 17 5 like we saw Aaron's rod that budded Moses and Aaron had stopped a plague from killing the child of Israel if those who died were 14,700 there was a plague going around they would stopped that they put the staff of each tribe with their name on it God will choose who will lead them right and Aaron's the one that produced fruit and it is to be kept as a sign for rebels so they will not die so all you people that were murmuring complaining and rebelling saying no i'm going to be leader no i'm going to be leader this is a sign that god chose aaron so you quit that it's a sign of life resurrection fruits and it all points to messiah that's where we're headed it is a sign that the messiah was once dead rod but rose from the grave with life, victory, and full of fruit and miraculous works. Just like us. Almonds in Israel. I'm going to go over this very quickly. Remember how we went over almonds? Uh, Israel's almond trees are the first to bloom, hence resurrection, hence new life, new birth. And every year in February, almonds provide calcium, protein, vitamin E, magnesium, phosphor, zinc, copper, all these vitamins and antioxidants. Um, studies show they protect against diabetes, gallstones, cardiovascular disease. Disclaimer, this is just what they say. I am not in any way promoting this, just saying this is what they said. While the United States produces the most almonds in the world, Israeli almonds are larger, tastier, and contain 10% more calcium than Americans Hmm, you think God's taking care of his own? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of the Israeli fruit is bigger than American fruits. The grapes are wild, the olives, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. And the pomegranates. Yeah. The, the pomegranates food. are huge. Wow. And so, the dates, oh my goodness. Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so the biblical book of Genesis describes almonds as among the best of fruits. There are nine additional mentions of almonds and almond blossoms in the Hebrew scriptures in the Christian iconography almond branches symbolize the virgin birth or the new generation the generation of life alright now we get to this Ten Commandments and you see in my box here I have Ten Commandments <laughs> alright Ten Commandments this is what they may have looked like I don't know this is just a representation here are the Ten Commandments case you didn't know them, here they are. Don't have any gods before me, don't make any idols, don't take his name in vain, remember the Sabbath day, honor your father and mother. Next set, (laughs) next stone, (laughs) don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and don't covet. Easy enough, right? Now, here's what I'm going to say here was the law to them this was the law to us this is the law right this is the law of God the perfect law could they keep the law no otherwise they wouldn't have to do sacrifices all the time right could we keep the law no otherwise we wouldn't have to confess all the time so guess what Since you can't keep the law, mercy seat keeps a lid on, keeps a lid on the judgment that we deserve. It puts a lid on the judgment we deserve and gives us mercy. The mercy is what covers the judgment from the law. The law, when you you go against this, you deserve death. Jesus died for us. We deserve death, but mercy covered it. See what I'm saying? All right. What do the items in the ark mean? They mean what? Watch this. Remember how we have outer, inner, holy of holy? Salvation was in the outer. This came from the manna. The three things in the ark, the manna represents our salvation. Jesus is the bread of life. We come to Jesus and we get saved. That's in the outer. And we move into the inner. Right? When we get to the inner, that's our sanctification. The commandments of God. The commandments of God. (laughs) Keep my statutes and I am the Lord who sanctifies you. How do you get sanctification? By keeping his commandments. Keeping His commandments, it's a process. Remember clean hands, pure heart, you get to the this place and now you're in the Holy of Holies. Outer, inner, Holy of Holies, here it comes. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is Aaron's rod that budded. Alright, why do you say that? Because it produced fruit. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives? To produce fruit of the Spirit. It takes something that was dead. Brings it to life. And produces fruit. That's Aaron's rod that budded. It was dead wood. Brought it to life. And produced fruit. As a testimony. Ark of the testimony. To all the nations. That's us. The Holy Spirit in us. Produces fruit. As a testimony to all the nations. by the numbers the stone tablets this is from rabbi sobel Uh, the stone tablets of ten commandments all right the number 10 represents completion right number 541 represents the stone tablets all right 541 also the lord is in this place remember the mercy seat i will be with you there i will talk to you there i will give you my instructions stone tablets we're in the box Here's the seat, God sits here, and I'll be with you. And he's right on top of them stone tablets. (laughs) Alright, 541, I will keep commandments. I will keep what's in there. Now, 256 is the ark. And 256 is Jesus and Christ, and Hebrew and Greek combined is 256. Tell me it doesn't point to Jesus. And I'm about to really blow your mind here in just a second. Um, remember how I said faith in the dark. Faith in the dark is once you're in the Holy of Holies, there's no light. And you've got a four-inch thick veil. <laughs> I don't think light's going through that. <laughs> there's no light. How do you see? The only thing in the Holy of Holies is the Shekinah glory God's presence is what lights up the place. That's the only thing. Once you enter into his presence the light comes from the inside out. You go from the outer to the inner to the holy. Once you encounter the presence of God, his presence, the love, then comes from the inside out. Everything else out here was from the outside. It's, I cut up this animal, I sacrifice it. I light the menorah, I eat the bread, I offer smoke and incense, everything was outside, but when you get to his presence, now it's from the inside out. All right, you ready for the big picture? Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm going to give you the big picture, this is probably something you never see anywhere else. This is the big picture, I'm really the big picture. We went from here to here, we're in the presence of God here. How does it all point to Jesus? How does this tabernacle point to Jesus? (laughs) Look at this. Look at this. All right. Ark of the Covenant, altar of incense, the labor, table of showbread, menorah, altar of sacrifice. Now watch this. Matthew 27, 29, they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, only well, they, they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter, a reed stick in his hand. What was in there that would represent a reed stick? Aaron's wrath. Aaron's rod right? Revelation 1.12, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of God, and the seven stars in his right hand representing the seven churches. Does that sound familiar from Pastor Galen, right? Mm -hmm. And in this hand is a table of showbread. So here you have Jew, here you have Gentile, all right? Now, remember when we talked about the incense and the smoke, all right? It's in his chest right here in his heart you say why okay remember i say uh prayer and confession confession is good to get it off your chest mm-hmm. right prayer needs to come from the heart true confession needs to come from the heart that's where your true prayer comes from is from the heart the labor is here in his belly why his belly well think about this jesus when he was with nicodemus in john chapter 3 he said how can a man be born again does he enter again into his mother's womb and he said no you have to be born of water and of spirit born of water and of spirit so that's why it's here in the belly then in the bottom revelation 1:15. his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves What is on the altar of incense? It was made of bronze. And what was in the center? Fire. (laughs) How does that not point to Jesus? And just the imagery here points to Jesus like this. And Jesus like this is on a cross. How does that not point to Jesus? That is the tabernacle. Do you see? Do you see? That's the big picture. Everything from the dimensions, from the meaning, from the numbers, everything pointed to Him and His sacrifice and His coming. And then what it means for us, making everything one in Him. So we've gone from all the way outside into the front gate, it says, enter into his courts with thanksgiving, into, gates with thanksgiving, to his courts with praise. Then we get to here, we've got sacrifice. Then we get to here, we wash. We get to here, we partake of the word of God, Jesus, the bread of life. Here we get our anointing, the Holy Spirit. Here we learn how to pray. Now we're ready to get to the presence of God. When we get to the presence of God, we get pure deity, godliness, holiness with sanctification through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our covenant. That's his promise. Did you see how it all points to him? And that is the ending. And I want to show you, remember, for the very first time we had goals and objectives, right? These were the goals and objectives. Introduce the tabernacle and its pieces. Did we not do that? Describe each piece and its function and its application, right? Reveal every aspect that points to the Messiah and develop a deeper understanding of its purpose. And the very last one, the most important one, is draw a closer presence to God. The ultimate goal of all of this was to hopefully get you closer to the presence of God. You can't just go to it. It's a process. It's a process. Clean hands, pure heart to get to the presence of God. The whole tabernacle tabernacle teaches us that you can't just jump right into the Holy of Holies. (laughs) It's a process. You have to be washed. You have to clean. You have to purify yourself. Your mind, your heart, and your love. Do this in remembrance of me. So these were the goals and objectives. And this is hopefully...